0: you ready you are listening to the ducks and pucks podcast this is the number one home for anaheim ducks talk and analysis here we go
1: Welcome to the show. This is your host, Mike Walters, and I have two co-hosts again on the show. I've got Eddie Richard and I've got Thomas Harrington again. Um, welcome back to the show, guys. Oh, thank you. i to hey, be back on. again. All right. And so uh, we had them both on last time when we talked about the draft. We also talked about um, the situation with Eaves and Kessler and, and a little bit about the free agency. And we're going to talk about that again. Uh, We have a little bit of Ducks news. We have um, some of the qualifying offers that have been given out. The uh, development camp is coming up as well, Um, and we're basically going to talk about free agency, some of the stuff going on around the league in general. So we'll start off with the draft and how the Ducks did. Uh, They ended up uh, with seven picks in the draft. They went with uh, their first pick was Isaac Lundstrom, which was one of the ones that Thomas did talk about. Uh, they had uh Oliver Grew as their second, McLaughlin was their third, Dostal fourth, for per, uh Perbix is their fifth, Derney sixth, and Drew is their seventh. So they had seven picks overall. They went they started out with centers, ended up getting a couple other forwards, a couple goalies, and a and a defenseman at the very end. Um Thomas, you know, you wrote a lot of articles on this, um, which I appreciate. Um, by the way, if I if I sound a little bit sick, it's because I've been sick this whole week and uh uh, Thomas helped out covering uh, the the uh, draft with articles and Eddie helped with the social media so I uh, appreciate that guys but with the draft what did you think uh, Thomas in terms of you know the picks that the Ducks did you did mention Lindstrom in one of your articles what did you think how the Ducks uh, went with their picks
0: so their first pick uh, Isaac Lindstrom um, based on everything I've read about him based on how I've watched um, for getting a player in the um, low to mid 20s he's about as sh- sure thing as you can of getting a future NHL player. He's never going to score 30 goals or get 80 points, um, but he's a future um, third line center. I've seen a lot of people compare him to Cogliano, which I, we all know love Cogs, the Iron Man. If he turns into um, the next Cogliano, uh, that's a great thing for the Ducks. Um, their uh, second pick, um, Gru, uh, is another player, um, the second center they took in a row. Um, He's got probably a little more offensive upside than Lundstrom does, but uh, he's not as much uh, of a a sure thing to make it to the NHL. Um, uh, McLaughlin, there's actually a few people who had him as a late first round or early second round pick, so getting him in the third round, a lot of people think could end up being one of the steals of the first three rounds of this draft. Um, He was in the USHL last year and was at about a point per game pace. Um, he'll be in the NCAA, uh, this coming season at the University of Minnesota. Uh, their second, third-round pick, Dostal, um, he played, uh, in the Czech Republic this past season, um, and he actually was the top-rated European goaltender going into this draft, but wasn't the first European goalie chosen. Um, from what I've read about him, uh, he's got a lot of raw talent, but has a long way to go to mold himself into a, uh, NHL goalie. Um, so he's definitely one that's going to be a bit of a project, um, But between him and uh, Ole Eriksson-Eck, the uh, goalie the Ducks chose uh, last year um, in the fifth round, the Ducks have a couple of good young European goalies um, and either one could be a future potential backup to Gibson. Uh, Once we got into the fourth round and later things get kind of uh, just take the best best player you think is available and see what happens. Pervix last year uh played uh, in high school and in 25 games 61 points uh which is you know it's a pretty absurd amount over two points per game uh he's going to be at Notre Dame next season so we're going to be interesting to see how that offensive game translates into uh college hockey hopefully um it, it, he won't be able to put up two points next season but if he can be um you know um a half point to a point per game player next season that'd be great uh Derny was the first pick that I was really surprised by that the Ducks made um, just because taking uh, a second goaltender on the day um, I didn't think was necessarily needed but uh, you know I trust Anaheim's scouting department so it's another good young goalie Um, he was in both uh, Slovakia and the USHL last season and it was in the USHL where he had uh, pretty solid numbers he also played at the World Juniors um, so hopefully he'll be there again this coming season and then their final pick Hunter Drew in the 6th round and the Ducks didn't pick a pick a defenseman uh, at all in last season's draft. They only picked one in the 2016 draft, Josh Mahura. So I think they felt that they needed to take a defenseman with this final pick, um, and they felt that Hunter Drew was the uh, best available defenseman. Um, he doesn't have a huge offensive upside. He's more known for uh, his uh, physical play. Um, he's an overage player. He's an uh, overage drafted player, so he's already 19 years old, um, so could turn pro as early as a year from now. Yeah, I thought the the picks were pretty interesting. I mean,
1: uh, you know, the Ducks went with a couple centers and forwards. I, I, like you said, uh, two goalies as well. So that was kind of a you know a little bit of a curveball. I thought you know that maybe they'd pick one, but two is a little bit different. Um, Eddie, what did you think about the Ducks' uh, picks?
2: I liked them. I think Murray uh, kept it safe. Our first round, so uh, he's a uh, well-rounded center. He has a great. He's great. He's a great skater and ability to protect, protect the puck. Bo is really intelligent and determined. He always gets in those dirty areas. He does whatever you can to win. And what I like about him the most is he's been improving throughout the seasons. The first season with the QMJHL, he had 31 points in 62 games, and then he increased to 55 points. So you see that steadily increasing by him. Um, He was born in France, too, so that's that's pretty cool on my part, but he grew up in Canada. Um, Dostal... What I read and I love about him is the word consistency. He's been consistent. He's smaller than the average goaltender, a butterfly goaltender, but he's really quick. And he full shooters. He'll get real low and make you think that top is open, but he gets his glove and blocker there really quick. So that's what I really like about him. Um, Roman Derney, I think the reason why the Ducks picked him, and he had, you know, he was skipped over in the 2017 draft. But I think he, he got some recognition because he, he beat the defending U.S. champs in the world juniors. Uh, he's had 43 saves out of 45 shots and as a backup goalie, too. And he really stole the show and really came in and and performed to that thing. So he might be a silent sleeper. We can never know, but it's a good chance to take in the fifth round. And then Hunter Drew. Hunter Drew was a walk-on. Uh, he didn't even make the team when he went in his junior team. Uh, he has a good work ethic. He's, you know really hard tough physical player he's a he's more of a pass first but he's been trying to get that that offensive you know spring up more and they use him to play against the top the other team's top line so overall i like every pick that we got we, we kept it safe and there's plenty of upside to each and every one of these players and you never know if you know our first round draft pick can be a bus and our seventh round could be our next superstar you never know with this draft but I do trust our scouts. I mean, look at our team and the players that they have scouted. So I leave it up to, you know, the future.
1: Yeah, and I agree with both of you. You mentioned the scouting of Department of the Ducks, and we've obviously seen how they've done over the past few seasons. You know, they've done well. Um, so that's the draft class for the Ducks. Uh, looks pretty good. Obviously, most likely, none of them will play with the Ducks next season. But, of course, we're looking forward to them in the future. Uh, as far as the draft went, uh, Thomas, were there any surprises overall looking at the draft that you thought uh, that happened maybe in the first or second round? Just like we all expected the
0: draft but exactly as predicted, right? <laughs> so Buffalo took Dolan, Carolina took Svechnikov, boom, no questions asked, everyone surprised it. Uh, Montreal was the first one that surprised people when they took, um, I'm going to butcher his name, uh, Kutkaniemi, I think is how you say it. Um, he's a Finnish center. Montreal really, really wanted a center, despite the fact that there were two, elite, two, elite, two, two potential elite wingers in Kachuk and Zadina. Um, but they wanted a center desperately, so they took a center. Uh, based on everything I've read, everything I've seen, um, that's not necessarily a mistake, but it was not the best move to make. Um, and then the other surprise uh, was when Arizona took a second center at fifth overall when they selected Barrett Hayton. Um, which surprised a lot of people, but also in reading about it, um, apparently a lot of other teams were really high on Hayden, uh, including Chicago at eight. So Arizona was worried if they traded down, they wouldn't be able to get this player who they uh, had absolutely fallen in love with. So they took him at five rather than trading down, um, which left uh, Philip Zadina, who was a lot of people thought the third best player in the draft, fell sixth to six, Detroit. Uh, and, you know, that was, I've barely seen, Detroit has not been very happy with the last couple of seasons. This is the happiest they've been in a long time, grabbing him sixth overall. Uh, and because... So a lot of people were wondering if a center would be taken in the draft, in, in the first 10 picks, and two in, going in the first five, which caused a lot of other players to shift down the draft board. Um, and the team that really benefited from this was the Islanders. Uh, at 11th overall, I got Oliver Wallstrom. Um, I think it was eight, nine, ten years ago, he was uh, in a shootout competition as a kid and had a spectacular... Uh, spinorama uh, lacrosse-style goal. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend checking it on YouTube. It's amazing. Um, so he was picked 11th overall. And then at 12th overall, the Islanders picked again, and they took defenseman Noah Dobson, um, one of the four or, fe- four or five best defensemen in this draft. So the Islanders um, were just ecstatic to see those two centers go early because um, two almost assuredly top 10 picks fell to them at 11 and 12.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, the Islanders definitely made out. Uh, especially in this draft, like you said, early on. Um, Eddie, what did you think? Uh, some surprises? I know there was w- one player that wasn't happy about going in the second round that you wanted to talk about.
2: <laughs> yeah, Bodie Wild. I was really surprised. And I'm, I'm by his face expression, too, he was surprised by uh, not going in the first round. I was actually shocked he didn't take in the first round. I had him going, you know, when we talked last show in the first round. I was also shocked and laughed about, you uh, guys talked about Zadina his, uh, his quote, I was telling my agent, if they will pass on me, I'm going to fill their net with pucks. <laughs> I want to prove to Detroit that they made a pretty good decision. I, I really like the swagger on this kid. He, he's real confident. I mean, he's borderline cocky, but he pretty much told the other teams, if you pass on me, I'm going to make you pay. I really like that. So that was really funny. So But the shocker for me was uh, Bodie Wild for sure.
1: Yeah, I mean it was interesting, and I think uh, you guys both mentioned it too. The uh, the Islanders and Detroit, they you know they both did pretty good in the draft. So I mean, uh, if there's any you know big time winners, I think they're the ones, uh, you know that uh, came out on top in here. So um, after the draft, uh, obviously the free agency is coming up. We'll get to that in a minute. the uh, The Ducks did make some qualifying offers, which we've kind of talked about some of these players, and. Uh what they did is they, they made qualifying offers to their RFAs or the restrictive reagents and the list includes Richie, Cordelius, Montor, Casey, uh Wah, Walinsky, and Cossela. Uh, and Thomas wrote an article on that. Uh any surprises there, Thomas? I mean it's pretty much the names that we mentioned we thought they were gonna keep. Um any any comments about uh, you know, ex- you know, extending these qualifying offers?
0: So the Ducks had seven RFAs, they extended, they gave all seven qualifying offers, um, so we control their destiny, uh, regardless of what happens in the future. Um, Montour and Kase are both likely to get, to get bridge deals, maybe even long-term contracts, if the Ducks feel confident enough in them. Uh, Richie, probably a short one or two year deal, um, I actually was a little surprised to see Cordillis get um, get the qualifying offer just because of the extensive injury history he's had over the last several seasons. Um, I don't think he's had a professional year where he hasn't missed significant time to injury, uh, which is really sad because he used to be one of my favorite Anaheim prospects. Um, But at this point, he's looking like just a future AHL player, so I was wondering if the Ducks would choose to not qualify him and either A, let him walk, or B, sign him to uh, an AHL-only deal, but they still think uh, he might have an AHL future. So it was great to see him um, get that offer. Um, Waugh and Kostela uh, have been San Diego's best forwards over the last couple of seasons um, I think Waugh has the higher skill level of the two, but Kostela has a more complete game um, and then uh, Walensky, um of the players who were met, spent most of last season in San Diego so Wilinski, Waugh, Kostela, and Kourilis I think Walensky of those four is the one who might get a one-way deal um, if the Ducks think he's ready for a full-time NHL job next year on the uh, bottom pairing but uh, if it is, it'll be a pretty short deal. I think he's looking at a two-way deal, um, and then maybe a one-one way deal next summer if it's one year.
1: And Eddie, what did you think about the uh, uh, qualifying offers to the RFA's?
2: I think we. I mean, all the qualifying offers that they gave, we need those players. I mean, I'm not a big fan of Richie, but I mean, obviously qualifying him and getting into a contract makes him that much more valuable to other teams. Um, I think Casse and Montor get the one ways. I think they, they earned it, and I can see them being contributing factors to Anaheim's success next season, especially how they play. So that, that, that's my take on, on the qualifying offers that we gave.
1: Yeah, and as like Thomas talked about, the the Ducks went out there and they gave the qualifying offers to you know all of the RFAs, so that's good because obviously they're making sure that they're going to retain their rights, and then you know they can get them signed and, and go from there. The Ducks do have a lot of UFA's still on the board here. They have uh, Derek Grant, Antoine Vermette, Chris Kelly, uh, Jason Chimera, J.T. Brown, the uh, Exa which we know is pretty much gone. And, I mean, that's the top of the, uh, at least the rostered players from last season that the Ducks had as UFAs. They they had a couple also in the minors, too. They had Bowl, They had Leambis, um, uh Corey Trop as well. So, you know, they had some other players in there in the mix, too. We did have a fan question. And I guess we can kind of take this one now, talking about if, the, you know, the Ducks would bring back Vermette based upon, um, oh, I'm sorry, they asked about they'd bring back uh, Grant, but also Vermette was one we talked about Um because of the Kessler situation, and I think this kind of goes also into the free agency stuff, which we'll talk about the Ducks, and we'll, we'll talk about what's going on around the league as well, too, and we'll kind of start with Anaheim, obviously, but Thomas, what do you think, you know, we we talked about Kessler on the last show, actually, you know, it's been a big topic, I mean, he was in the news again, I'll, I'll get to uh, Eric Stevens' article in a minute, but... If Kessler's unable to go, do you think that the Ducks do try to extend some offers out to Grant or Vermitt? Or do you think maybe they go shopping in free agency or for a trade? What is, what is your take on kind of, you know, where does Anaheim go right
0: now? Because Kessler's up in the air with his status. So of the uh, pending phase the Ducks have, I think Derek Grant is the one they're most likely to retain. Um, he had the best season. He's the most valuable team. Um, he's not going to cost very much. He can be a, uh, not a great Kessler fill-in, but a Kessler fill-in as needed. Um, I don't think Kessler's um, play next season will impact Grant necessarily. Uh, I think that will probably impact either a trade or a big free agent signing. Um, I'm hoping Grant gets brought back just to fill that fourth-line center role, be a mentor to Sam Steele or Kostler or any other young rookie who might be on the team, um, because he's just a great example of what hard work can get you in the NHL. I mean, he had not... I don't think he scored a goal in the NHL until last season when he was 27, 28 years old, and he had, what, 10, 12 goals in the season. Um, so I think he's a great example of younger players to bring back. Um, Vermette, he's great in the face-offs. That's about it. Uh, I let him go. Um, same with Kelly, same with Trim- uh, Um I like Brown a lot. Uh, he's a good fourth-line winger. He's good on the PK. Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to bringing him back on a cheap one-year deal. Um, to be that 13th forward. Healthy scratch most nights, but come in uh, and play uh, solid, safe hockey when needed. Um, and yeah, you're right. BX, BX is gone. Uh, Boshway's gone. Um, and then if the San Diego players, the only one I really want brought back is Corey Trapp. Um, outside of he while he's been one of their best forwards, he's really been the leader of that team um, ever since he was acquired a couple of years ago from, uh, I think it was Chicago. So I would love to see him brought back um, and to just... Uh, the captain of the goals next season.
1: Yeah, I agree uh, definitely on the Corey Trapp. I mean, he, he's been doing well for San Diego down there. And uh, like you said, I would like to see Derek Grant back too, uh, regardless of the Kessler situation. Uh, Eddie, what do you think about the UFA situation? Who do you think the Ducks uh, may try to bring back and let go?
2: I'm going to Grant with Thomas and yourself. Uh, grant, I would like to see back. He has a great work ethic. He, uh, His first goal, his first goal, first two goals were scored with the Ducks because that first one got overturned, you know, uh, it got waved off, but he scored his official first, second goal, if that makes sense, with the Ducks. (laughs) He just always gives it his all. He knows he's not that superstar player. He knows his role with the team, and I think he'll really be a mentor and someone that the younger players can look up with, too, is, you know, when they have that drought or they're not scoring that first first goal within the first few games Like, just take a look at him and what, what he overcame and how he is now and Brown, Brown knows his role and he's a physical a gritty player and he can put the puck in back of the net and that's what we need um, one year deal on both of them will be perfect for me I, I wouldn't mind that at all
1: yeah, I think we're all in agreement on you know who the Ducks you know should bring back, and, and obviously we're going to see what's going to happen with that. Um, we did get a little bit of an update on Kessler this last week, um, and we'll talk about that as we you know see who the Ducks want to go after in free agency. Um, if you don't know already, Eric Stevens, he used to write for the Orange County Register; he now writes for the Athletic. And if you don't have a subscription, unfortunately, you can't read uh, the articles that he puts out. But I do have one, so we'll kind of talk about this a little bit. But we all know that the big news of the summer was Kessler, whether or not he was going to play next season. Uh, Elliot Freeman had that article that went out. And I'm just, just going to read you a part of this quote from uh, GM Bob Murray when he talked to Eric Stevens, and we can kind of all laugh together and talk about it. And then we'll talk about the Ducks' uh, free agent strategy. But... Yeah, Murray was asked, obviously, about Kessler and the situation, and he, and he said that there's a concern level. Uh, of course there is, but I think Kess has come out and said some things to a few people that if he feels as bad as he did this year, that he doesn't know if he can play anymore. But let's face it, he wasn't right this year, and he tried to gut his way out of it. So that's kind of the the, the main part of the first quote, and, and nothing new there. But then the funny part is when he gets asked about Elliot Freeman's article, um, he says, you know, at some point in time, if this continues and nothing gets better, but he's got to do right for him and his family. That's the bottom line here. As far as Elliot Freeman, keep throwing spaghetti at the wall and see what hits. So, you know, I mean, it's, I, you have to laugh at that. I mean, it's just kind of crazy. So what I gather from this is it's still pretty much what we talked about. His situation is still up in the air that the team hasn't come out and said anything. This is the most we've heard from Bob Murray. Obviously it's pretty funny because he's not he's not happy. Um obviously that Elliot Freeman said something, but that to the point that he said, well he might not even play next season, which is something that we had talked about in this show that I heard from another source as well. So it's out there. Uh given that situation and, and given you know the free agency is obviously right around the corner. We're gonna talk about who the ducks go look at. Um, I'll go with you, Thomas, first. What do you think as far as some players out there that the Ducks look for? Do you think that they do try to look for a center in the free agency or a trade? And if so, are there any names out there you think that uh, you know we should keep an eye on?
0: So the big center, of course, John Tavares. Let's accept that right now. Sure. The Ducks aren't getting him. Uh, it'd be nice, but it's not happening. Um, there's a lot of players on the market. Paul Stastny, uh, Joe Thornton. Both of them would be nice, but I don't think Goran's coming here. I think Stassi's just going to get—he's not going to get seven million again, but still going to be probably five or six plus um, for a pretty lengthy period of time. I don't think the Ducks can afford him. Um, the Ducks—they're going to look for—I don't want to say bargains, but they're going to look for players that can fit under the cap and not screw them up uh, long term. Um, so one name I've seen tossed around is uh, Tyler Bozak. He's 32. He had 42 points last season. He made four million Uh, in Sally and had a $4.2 million cap hit last year. Uh, So he will get a raise on that, hopefully not a substantial one. Um, But the uh, player I've seen tossed around that I actually didn't think about until someone mentioned it, is uh, Riley Nash. He played for Boston last year. He put 41 points in 76 games. He was paid less than a million, so he's gonna get a big raise on that. Um, He plays both center and right wing. Um, So I think two, three-year deal, Two and a half to three million dollars, I'd be pretty happy with that. Um, And then another player uh, who crossed my mind, um, although he'll probably get larger contract pieces from the Cup, is uh, Jay Beagle. He only had 22 points last season, um, but he's another player that could fit in on a checking line. He made less than two million. If you can get him for around that two million dollar mark, he wouldn't be a bad target for the Ducks as well.
1: Yeah, you know the one that you brought up. Uh, before we did the show, Riley Nash, that, that one I hadn't heard and was a surprise to me, but uh, going by what you're talking about makes sense, especially because he can play two different positions, which definitely helps out the Ducks too, because uh, we also talked about Raquel, and if he was going to have to play center or wing too, depending on what's going on with Kessler. So of the names that you mentioned, I agree, that's that's one that it's kind of a, a sleeper, but I like that one, because some of these bigger names, uh, Thornton, Stashney, I agree, I don't, I don't. I don't see them coming to Anaheim. Uh, Eddie, what do you think, uh, And uh, you know, the Tavares thing, we've kind of heard a little bit about that. I know you might want to talk some more about that, but uh, as far as some of the names out there, what do you think uh, in the uh, center position for players that the Ducks might try to go after? Well,
2: obviously, John Tavares is uh, a no-go. I mean, that'd be great to have him, but obviously, we're not in a position to, to make a run for him, and he's not even meeting with us, so that scratch that. He did uh, meet with the Sharks and the Dallas Stars for the most time. He spent two hours and about 15 minutes with them each. So that's something that uh, Ducks fans should keep an eye on if he goes over there. I do like Stastny. I think he'd be great. He's great in the face-offs. He'd be a, a terrific third-line center, borderline, second-line center, but chances of getting him are really, really slim. Riley Nash, I, I do like. I like him. He made 900 k last year. Um, we could probably get him for under 300, uh, three million. He had 41 points, and he can be used in that that bottom six role, and possibly a top six, top six role if needed. So that'd be a good one. Um, Mark Latessi was another one that I liked. He's you know 33 years old. He'll be a bottom six, maybe a fourth line center, but he has that physical grit. He can kill. Uh, he can be on the penalty kill and make things happen on there, and shut down the other teams you know, top lines as well with his physical play. He's not too tall, he's only 5'11", I believe. But I think he has some upside, and he made 1.8 million last year, so we could probably get him around that same, same projected, you know, that money for this year. And he's great at face-offs, he, he, he knows what he's doing. He's like a Vermette 2.0, so I think I'd take a look at him as well. And uh, Bozak, he'd be great to have, like he might be a little bit too pricey, he might get more money, by other teams that are kind of more desperate for that center position. So I think my my main thing would be probably Riley Nash, like you guys talked about, we talked about before the show, and Mark Lateste would be another one.
1: And, and as far as uh, other forwards out there besides uh, centers, uh, are there any names that come to mind, Thomas, that you think the Ducks should try to go after?
0: Uh, I mean, the best winger probably... Um, is uh, Van, Van Riemsdijk in Toronto. He had 54 points last season. Uh, someone's going to throw stupid money at him, so probably a no-go. Uh, Thomas Vanek is 34. He actually had um, 56 points last year. He wouldn't be a bad option uh, to get on a short one- or two-year deal to help the Ducks on the power play. Um, and then, of course, uh, from Vegas, the former Duck David Perron, is a free agent, he had 66 points last year. Um, he was made less than $4 million. He, I think someone's going to give him a massive raise. Um, Michael Grabner is probably the one winger who the Ducks are going to have an, their eye on, but he's another one who might get a massive raise. Um, and then uh, there was, uh, who was, uh, Tobias Reeder um, from L.A. He was a restricted free agent. They let him, they didn't qualify him. He's now an unrestricted free agent. I've seen a lot of people uh, be excited about his, him possibly coming to Anaheim, so uh, he's one to keep an eye on as well.
1: Sounds good. I, I like the the names that you're throwing out there. Are some of the names that I looked at, too, as far as, you know, coming back. I know some people did ask about Perron, you know, that he was on the Ducks before. He's also one that could, you know, possibly help out in the power play. But like you said, you know, the cost might be, uh, you know, a little bit up there uh, if, if someone's going to throw some money at him as well. Um, it's funny seeing Van Riemsdyke on there. That's another name. Vanek, that's another name. Some of these names have kind of been recycled from before. So there's some, you know, some similar names to look at again. Um, Eddie, what do you think uh, as far as some of those names Thomas threw out, or you have some other uh, players in mind?
2: Yeah, I like them. Uh, David Perron, when he got traded to Anaheim, he played 28 games with us. He had 8 goals, 12 assists, total of 20 points. He clicked with the team. So uh, yeah, he might get more money elsewhere, but he might want to come back somewhere where he's more comfortable and stay in the Pacific Division. If Vegas doesn't choose to re sign him, which it doesn't look like they're going to, I mean, th- there's still a possibility we can get perron on a decent deal especially he had some you know pretty good success with us um you can count out Devonte smith pelly's name as he re-signed with washington for a one-year one million dollar deal another name too that i saw fans throwing out was yakupov from colorado um it's unfortunate for him that edmonton in my opinion rushed him and it kind of it kind of played in how he's not performing to his potential but he was with a, f- a younger, faster, speedier team with Colorado, and it didn't really work out over there, so I can't see it working out in Anaheim with him. Another name, too, from Colorado that I would actually take a chance on, and he would fit Anaheim Ducks, would be Blake Commue. He had uh, 13 goals, 21 assists, 34 points in 79 games last season. Uh, he's a winger, left winger. He uh, he was used on the power, uh, penalty kill. That gritty forward, and he, he can put up numbers, and he makes. He seems to make the line around him, especially the the kids he was playing with. He made them better. And I know we're trying to get younger, but I think that would be a player that can mentor the younger kids and provide that leadership role for them, and and just be that gritty and shut down forward that every team wants and needs.
1: Yeah, I agree. I I, I like some of those that you're throwing out there as well. I mean, um, you know, the Ducks definitely can add. You know, I'm hoping that they add, uh, you know, a center and a wing. I don't, I don't know how it's going to go. We've seen some of the free agency and, you know, the Ducks don't make as big of a splash uh, as we think, but there's definitely room for us to get a couple forwards because we don't know uh, exactly Eves and Kessler's situation. We know Eves is getting better. We talked about that on the last show. There was some social media posts. Of course, Kessler, we talked about, is up in the air, so... I would definitely look forward to watching those names that you guys mentioned. Now, the other thing that did happen this week is that Corbinian Holzer was placed on waivers. He wasn't picked up, um, so obviously still with the Ducks. But do you think, Thomas, that the Ducks do try to go get anybody on defense? I mean, we've pretty much got a solid top four, but um, is there any names on there? Or do you think the Ducks strictly try to focus more on offense in this free agency?
0: Uh I do think they go for defenseman. Um, the one that catches my eye is Ian Cole. Um, he uh, he only had 20 20 points last season at two and a half million dollars. Uh, he's only 29 years old though. I think he'd be a great uh, bottom pairing veteran player. Because right, like I said, the top four is set: Fowler, Montour, Lindholm, Manton. That's a great top four. But the bottom pairing right now it's a mixture of uh, Wilinski, Larson, Peterson, Holzer, Magna. Uh, I'd like uh, a vet down there just to help solidify that bottom pair. Um, I think you can get Ian Cole on a relatively cheap deal um, and you know, hey if he ends up not being great and two of the kids are for him, he could be scratched and become that seventh defenseman and two kids play above him. Uh, that could happen, but I just think a player like Ian Cole would be, uh, would work really well for the Ducks bottom pair.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree. I, I think we mentioned Ian Cole before. That's another name that I, you know, I'm all for, and, and you know, the Ducks going after. What do you think, uh, Eddie, as far as the Ducks' defense? Any names uh, out there, or do you think that they more or less focus on offense instead?
2: I like Ian Cole too. I, I think he's a he's a great insurance for the bottom six, and won't cost us too much. I, I do like that. Uh, another name that popped up was Thomas Hickey. But I I read he was rumored to to go to L.A., so I don't know how... the Validity on that, we're going to have to find out on the first. Um, I think we have enough of our prospects that can make that leap and can play that bottom six role and rotate. Um, I I do hope that whoever we get can have Holzer's mentality. Holzer knew his place. He knew he wasn't going to be used every single night, but he still had that motivation, and when he was in the lineup, he... Even though his skill wasn't there on top, like, he gave it his all. So I really hope we, whoever we get to fill that bottom six, that they can just reflect his attitude and his work ethic. But I, I do like uh, Ian Cole a lot. He's big. He's a little faster than in, you know than the other vets that we had that were slower, which we all know who I'm talking about. And he's that stay-at-home defenseman. And he's not. He doesn't shy from shooting the puck too. If he gets that chance, he'll go out and shoot the puck. He has a little a better shot too. So that would be a really good pickup, and that'd be a win and a good gamble for Anaheim to get him.
1: Yeah, I agree, uh, and like we all said, so I think it, it, you know that's another big name to watch, and if if he can come to Anaheim, that would help as well. Because like we said, the uh, the bottom uh, two pairing has been a problem, as Thomas said. The Ducks have been rotating different players in. We saw what happened in the series against the Sharks. Sorry to bring up old bad memories, but you know we, we saw that, and down the stretch too. I mean, you know the Ducks. Uh, rotation of that last pairing was just not working. So, I'd like to see them pick up somebody on defense as well. So, I'd like to see them get, you know, possibly a center and a defenseman. I mean, will it happen? We'll see. Um, there's other stuff going on around the league, too. There's other names that we talked about. And we know that our favorite team, the LA Kings, has been doing some stuff. And the Kovalchuk, uh sweepstakes are over, Thomas. Uh, I know you weren't too big on them, but. What did you think? You know, the Kings ended up getting uh, Kovalchuk, and that's all done with and out of the way. So what's your feeling about that?
0: Kovalchuk, he's going to help L.A.'s power play. Um, no question about that. He's going to play next to Kopitar, one of the best playmakers in the league. He's going to score 20 goals next year minimum. Um, he could hit 25. He could even hit 30. Um, but, you know, he's also an older player. They signed him to a three-year deal north of uh, $6 million a season. Uh, so it's expensive. I think he'll be good but not great this season. Uh I'm not sure about years two and three though. Um but you know, if they can get a power play specialist who pops 30 this season, they're gonna be pretty happy with that production.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. And I and I remember we talked about his age and, and the price and the term and those are some of the issues. Uh what did you think, Eddie, as far as that and then uh, any other you know moves that you want to talk about too in free agency that have been uh, already going on or uh, you know around the league?
2: I think they paid too much for him, and Kovalchuk did a, a great job on getting that number. If I ever turn to, you know, for some reason, if I, if I just hone my skills and become a professional hockey player, I would love Kovalchuk as my agent because he got the maximum money that he does not deserve. LA is paying a lot of people over 30 a lot of money, and they only have about 3.18 million dollars in cap space left. Um, it, it's going to be a gamble for them, and you know I really hope they lose that gamble. I hope the house wins this time for LA. Um, I, I can see them easily getting 20 goals, but that's just you know you just never know if Kopitar or Carter, if they if are quick, if they go down. I mean, pretty much L.A. goes down. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, thank you, L.A., for going and signing in for that $6.25 million. That's That's good for you and, and better for everyone in the league. But I think it's way too much still on him. Um, other news, too. Uh, during the trade deadline, we had the Petretti news that he was supposed to – the rumor was supposed to be going to L.A. I was reading, you know, throughout, you know, all the blogs and all the articles and rumors and stuff by analysts. Um, Apparently, Petrietti's got shut down because he didn't want to sign a quick extension with L.A. So I don't know how true that is, and then he ended up firing his agent and getting someone else. Um, Yeah, so I don't know how how that is, but that should be in Bob Murray's mind, that L.A. just signed Kovalchuk, and now they're trying to get Petrietti. I mean, they're really gearing up and they're really trying to get their firepower up. I know if they got Petrae, they'd have to make more moves because they really can't afford them with the castaways they have right now. But that should be something on Murray's mind to beef up the Ducks as well, because the Sharks are beefing up and the Kings are beefing up and we really haven't done much in Anaheim. And I know fans are frustrated, as myself, so we we should be jumping on that. In other news, um, Ryan O'Reilly news. We talked about the show last time. There's supposed to be a trade in place and they're linking him to the Blues. Uh, we're going to have to find out July 1st for that one. Jack Johnson is expected to sign with the Penguins in a five-year deal come July 1st. Montreal was in discussions with LA for Voinov. I'm not sure how far along they are. or how I know there's mixed emotions with that. And like I, I mentioned before, if Voinov did come back to the NHL, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's going to be stipulations where there's going to be Mandatory anger management and counseling, and you know, for that issue, you know, I'm glad LA is not, or I'm glad Anaheim, I'm sorry, is not part of that. So that's cool. Um, July 1st is going to be fun. I'm probably not going to sleep Saturday night because I'll be excited for uh, July 1st again, just like I didn't really sleep coming into the draft because I was, you know, excited. So it's it's going to be a fun one to watch and see, you know, what all these teams do. I really hope Anaheim is not one of those teams that just signs a couple 35-plus-year-old players. And we're just left right there where we see the Sharks and Kings getting better, and we're just not getting better. I really hope we do something.
1: Yeah, and we will have a show too, um, not necessarily during the free agency, but we'll have one afterwards and we'll talk about some of this stuff. But Thomas, what do you think about what's going on in the league right now? Um, you know, any, any moves you want to talk about or kind of what Yeti talked about, you know, the, the Sharks and the Kings, they seem to get stronger and then here we are and we don't want to just sign, you know, certain average players, you know, to try to compete in the division again. So what are your thoughts on what's been going on in the league as we approach the free agency?
0: so for the Sharks and Kings getting stronger I'm not convinced they're necessarily better they're certainly trying to get better um, the Kane acquisition and then resigning for that massive deal and then the Kings getting uh, Kovalchuk um, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be better than they were last season but they're trying to get better um, and that's all you can really uh, ask of a team's general manager um, so I'm hoping Murray is uh, active but at the same time I want him to be smart and um, I'm glad we didn't get Kovalchuk. I'm glad we didn't get Kane. And thank God we're not in on Voinov. Um I hope he stays out of the league personally. Right. Uh, there's no place for that, um, period. Uh, and then uh, Eddie mentioned the Jack Johnson deal. Um, he's actually a player I was considering on defense for the Ducks, um, only in the right t- circumstances. And those circumstances are a cheap short-term deal, where he plays 15 minutes on the bottom pairing, I think that's where he can be very effective. Um, but, you know, a five-year deal, uh, even at I think it's three, three and a half million a season, that's too long. He's a decent player. He's not a great player. So I'm glad the Ducks uh, are not the ones signing to such a uh, long deal.
1: Yeah, I agree with everything you said, especially the Voinoff thing. I, I, I don't want him back in the league on any team. You know, given what happened there, and and I, I think you are right. I mean, I mean, it's yet to be seen if San Jose or LA have gotten better, but they're definitely trying. So that's what we're hoping that Murray will do, as we've talked about. You know, of course, the Kessler situation's up in the air, so we don't know if he's going to necessarily try to go for centers over forward. You know, left or right wing. But definitely want to see them try and do something coming up. Um, There are some events coming up, too. If you know the development camp, the Ducks announced that. Uh, It'll be coming up here on the, uh, actually, this weekend. So you can see the Ducks. I know that they're going to have one scrimmage uh, at Anaheim Ice on on July 1st. So you can go watch that. And they're going to have some other practices, but they're closed, unfortunately. So there's that to look forward to. And we did have some other league news um, as well. The um, Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, they announced some inductees, and uh, I mean, there's kind of some mixed reaction to this. I know we kind of laughed on some of this. Uh, some deserving, some I don't know, maybe not so much. But, um, we can talk about that really quick as we round out the the show here. Um, they had a uh, Martan Brodeur was uh put in there, which well deserved. Martin Saint Louis, he was thrown in there. Uh, Willie O'Ree, which we all agree was pretty much should have been done uh before but i i think when we're looking through these names uh thomas i think we kind of kind of chuckled at the one about uh you know gary bettman being put in there because he's still the commissioner i thought that was pretty funny but you had re- done some research on this and it's not the first time it's happened
0: uh yeah the hockey's but it's a great article um so apparently uh clarence campbell um, was inducted into the uh, Hall of Fame in 1966. Uh, thing is, he was president of the league and was president for another 11 years before he retired. Um, John Zeigler uh, was inducted in 87. Um, he didn't retire from the 80 se- for another uh, five years. Um, Jim Gregory, uh, who was actually the chairman of the selection committee, was inducted. Um, so there is precedent for Bettman being inducted while still on the job. But uh, Personally, I think that's a major mistake. Um, players can't conduct until they retire, and three years have to have passed since their retirement. Um, the last time that was waived was uh, Wayne Gretzky, and they said, um, Wayne, you're the greatest player. We will never waive that three-year waiting period ever again. Marty Brodeur, arguably the best goalkeeper of all time, had to wait three years. Um, Timus Mussolini, one of the greatest goal scorers and most popular players of all time, had to wait three years. Didn't matter who you were, you had to wait three years. Um, and I think that's... Uh, what they should do uh, for every person, both player and builder, being inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, so, should Betton be in there as commissioner of the league for since the early 90s? Yes, there's no question he has had a massive impact on the league, both good and bad. Um, you know, he's expanded the game, he's grown the game substantially. He's also had several lockouts and uh, his stance on concussion and CET issues. Uh, is pretty horrendous, frankly. Um, but there's no question the impact he's had in the game. And he should be in the Hall of Fame, but not right now. He's, I'm not sure how old he is, but let's say he's in—he's on the job for five, ten years, great. Let him finish his job, then induct him into the Hall of Fame.
1: Yeah, I, I, you don't get any argument from me on that. I agree with you. What do you think, Eddie, as far as uh, Bettman getting in there or any of the other uh, Hall of Famers that got inducted?
2: I, I think he should he wait that, that period, that you're supposed to wait. Uh, he's 66 years old. I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, he'll be retiring shortly soon. Who, who knows if he's going to go past 70. I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, he he made some, some, some issues with hockey with the lockouts, but he has grown the sport, so uh, we can give him that. And he's been the commissioner since 93. I mean, he's done a lot of positive things on top of the negative but it's more positive for growing the sport and but I I think it shouldn't be waived for anyone but but Gretzky or if another player comes and actually earns and deserves that spot so that's my take on that and um Willie O'Ree I, I couldn't be more excited for him he, he's the great ambassador for the sport he he has you know he, he goes and meets with different teams and their their youth programs to try to you know Pretty much promote hockey is for everyone, which hockey is. I mean, hockey has no color. I mean, the only color I don't like in hockey is an uh, L.A. black and white or purple, whatever. That's the only way I can discriminate in hockey. But he's going to be in it for sure, like he, he, and he well-deserved. It, it's great. I mean, 82-year-old and he's still traveling different cities, talking to kids, and just promoting the sport. I love to see that. It's It's great. He was uh, He's the Jackie Robinson of hockey. And like I posted, if you uh, follow my uh, personal Twitter page, Argonzo444, let, let's make a movie about him. Like, we need a lot more hockey movies. I think it would be great to, to see a movie about him. And I'm pretty sure he had to go through some, you know, some pain and a lot of barriers when he first started playing, just as well as Jackie Robinson did. So hopefully someone picks up some movie rights and we can get another hockey movie going soon. It's
0: a
1: great idea. Yeah, I, I agree with you, too. I mean, and, and you're right. We need more hockey movies. And, I mean, why not uh, have uh, Willie O'Ree as one of the stories? I'm sure that would be, you know, a great uh, movie for sure. So, yeah, the NHL, you know, they, they did their inductees, like we said. We're we're happy with most of them. Obviously, uh, Bettman, kind of weird, but uh, that, that went in there. And I agree with you guys. Um, You know, he's still active, so it's kind of like you should kind of wait, just like the players do. So, that's what happened uh, this week, kind of around the league. One, one other little thing kind of came up uh, too was uh, the Utah Grizzlies. Uh, the Ducks ECHL team is actually now going to be affiliated with the Colorado Avalanche, which, uh, Eddie, you you also helped cover Colorado. So kind of interesting thing there. I don't know if there's going to be a replacement, um, you know, with the Ducks at that level, but kind of a small move, Eddie. Um, you know, uh, the Ducks don't pull too much from there, but it's kind of interesting. I mean, it's going to help the uh, Avalanche, another team that you help us cover.
2: Yeah, uh, the Avalanche original ECHL team, the Eagles are going to move up to the AHL, so they'll be going uh, over there. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. I, I, I personally like when the Ducks and Avs do something together, or even in the same sentence, I, I kind of get that, like, if I was a dog, my tail will be wagging 100, 100 miles an hour, so th- that's going to be good. I'm pretty sure the Ducks will, will pick up someone soon, maybe hopefully before the start of the season, if not, you know, get someone in the near future, like, you know, hockey's growing at a huge rate right now, you know. Seattle's almost about to get a team soon. Hopefully, you know. So,
1: yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that's kind of the news that basically rounds it out. Uh, you know, for the Ducks, uh, obviously we talked about free agency and who they could look at. Uh, the news going on around the league as well. Like I said, we'll have another show uh, next week after the free agency. We'll see what happens. Hopefully, the Ducks. Make some big moves. And uh, before I wrap up the show, I just want to thank both of you guys again for this week. I've been a little bit out of it. I might sound a little nasally on this show, unfortunately. But uh, I appreciate you guys helping out. And let's go Ducks.